This is an EWTN Newslink. I'm Teresa Tamio from Catholic Connection. Before Sunday's Angelus, a pope praying for Indonesian Catholics heard in a bombing as they left Palm Sunday Mass. Two suspected suicide bombers died, and at least 20 people were hurt outside Sacred Heart of Jesus Cathedral on the Indonesian island of Sulawesi. Heavy rain across Tennessee floods homes and roads, forcing a number of rescues. The flooding is being blamed for at least four deaths. Nearly six inches of rain fell Saturday in Nashville, pushing rivers and creeks to their highest levels in more than a decade. And Cardinal Fernando Filoni mentions what he calls the extraordinary creative capacities of EWTN founders, Mother Angelica. Celebrating Mass at St. Peter's on the fifth anniversary of Mother's death on Saturday, he said she earned the gratitude of the whole church for building a global media network at the service of the gospel. I'm Teresa Tamio, and The Doctor is In with Dr. Ray Garendi starts now. The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Hi, Dr. Ray. How are you? I'm sure I'm going to get really good advice from you. Why do I have to be the insightful profession. You just patted yourself on the back. I'm losing you, buddy. I don't know what you're trying to say. You're just so great. I love your show. Am I close? No. Does that comfort you? No. I'm sorry, and I'm going to confess it, because I'm a holy guy. I'm a little intimidated to talk to you because uh, you used a lot of big words. You know, I was looking for a deeper answer. You came to the wrong place. You came to the wrong place if you're looking for deep answers. Now, from the studios of Living Bread Radio Network in Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica, here's Dr. Ray. I'd like to think I'm getting a little deeper in my answers. I've been doing this for many, many, many years. Came to the wrong place if you're looking for sleeper answers. Good to have you with me. This is The Doctor is In. This is our Monday version. E-person Monday. Not yet getting totally linguistically sensitive as I still have the word son, the syllable son, in person. I no longer use email Monday, although that 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 would have a nicer ring to it, wouldn't it? Email Monday? Can't. It's a homonym. If you remember your junior English, all those different kinds of things like metonymy and onomatopoeias and all those kinds of things. I do remember that. It was from, who was our teacher? Miss, I forget her name, but she just graduated. She was 22. Oh, all the guys had crushes on her. I forget her name. She was just a delight too. Very, now I've seen her recently. She's a very faithful Catholic. Anyway, I digress. Sorry, excuse me. So, it is E-Person Monday, which means we, we, you and I, if you listen, I do the talking, you do the listening, take on some of these missives that come in, and I have a stack here, and then I also have my phone. So, we will get to that. You heard of the concept double jeopardy? Double jeopardy is a legal term. Not an official legal term. Well, probably is. It means you can't try a person twice for the same crime. That's good. It's good protection. It's good law. Bad parenting. What do you mean, Dr. Ray? You want to punish a kid twice for the same offense? If you've dealt with it appropriately the first time around, why would you give him double jeopardy? Let me illustrate. When my son Andrew was in preschool... 
he was, like a little four or five-year-old boy, pretty unpredictable. Even though my high-quality parenting should have followed him wherever he went, there were just times and he ignored how I was trying to raise him. He was in his little preschool, and they have stations in preschool. They have the sand station and the block station, the cornmeal station, the truck station. They have all kinds of stations you can move through to stimulate your little cognitive cortex. One day we found out that Andrew, I, I hesitate to say this, and, and if you're a squeamish type, be careful. I've, I've barely gotten over it in, in these years since. I feel like such a failure. He took up a handful of corn kernels in the corn station and flung it at a kid in the sandbox station. Now, when I heard about this, I asked, did he throw with his right hand or his left hand? If you're going to throw with your left hand, you know, you got a chance. you got a much better chance of playing high school ball. Andrew's not tall enough to really be a major league pitcher. You know, they get too tall nowadays. they got to have that long arm whip. So the teacher punished him. What did she do? Oh, it was brutal. It was just awful what she did. She said that for the rest of the day, he couldn't play in the corn station. That's it. Now, I'm figuring that when he threw the corn, he didn't want to play in the corn station anyway. He was done. But that was his discipline. I found out about this, and I forget how. I forget how I found out. about. Maybe Andrew even told me. I don't know. He was that way. He was that kind of kid. Dad, you know what I did today? And then I, when I heard about it, I said, did you throw with your right hand or your left hand? Bat right, throw left. Well, no, you can't play an infield position, except first. So I said, "Well, Andrew, we got to do something about this. You're not allowed to. You're not allowed to do that. You can't do. You got to follow your class rules, son." So we we had a couple of punishments. We made him go to bed early that night, and oh man, this is tough. We took away Mister Rogers, and it was the one where they showed how they put makeup on the Hulk. Like the best one of all time, Mr. Rogers. Why would Mr. Rogers have the Hulk on his show? You know that? I mean, he's about as far from the Hulk, personality-wise, as anybody would be. But anyway, they had the Hulk, Lou Ferrino. Which, by the way, just as an aside here, I saw Ferrino at a some kind of Arnold Expo down in Columbus. That was back when you could get together with people. In the show, it looked like he was huge. 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. He's not. He's probably about 5'9", five, 5'10", five, maybe 5'11". I don't know, somewhere in there. I was surprised that he wasn't as big as they made him look. But, you know, the cameras can do all kinds of things. Cameras can make me look younger. They can't make me sound smarter. So we did this. Then Andrew's teacher found out that we did this. And her response was, why, thank you. It is, it is so nice to have parents who give us support. No, that's not what happened. I got scolded. 
She said something akin to, well, you know, you, you kind of sound like my grandfather who used to say you get in trouble at school, you're going to get in trouble at home. How awful, huh? Double jeopardy. <clears throat> and I said, well, Andrew broke two rules. He broke the one rule, don't, don't throw the corn kernels with your right hand. And the other rule is obey your teacher's rules, which is mom and dad's rule, which is much more important. So we had to do something about it to, to lend a little oomph to what the teacher did. I mean, yeah, okay, so she removed him from the cornmeal station. Big deal. That's not going to be stopping him in the future. And then he's going to act up. And then if people know his dad's a psychologist, I'm going to lose business. And won't buy my books. So she also said something to the effect, I want him to trust me. I don't want him to think that somehow I'm going to tattle on him. Well, my thought was, well, you didn't tattle on him. Somehow, I forget how I found out about it. That is, his, his sister was one year younger. I think she was in a, an, an alternative class, and she may have known. She can find out. She finds out everything. She's in the Army now. She knows, she knows all kinds of stuff. So I said, well, I, I, I didn't know what to say. It, it was kind of this sort of enlightened kind of child development notions that somehow, some way, there's this bond of trust that I won't tell your mom and dad what you did wrong. Oh, I can't use wrong. That's right. You can't use that word either in a lot of child development settings. You have to use inappropriate. You can't even say bad choices. That's got the word bad in it. You have to say inappropriate. Unacceptable. You could say unacceptable, and I'd always want to say unacceptable to who? You didn't think it was all that unacceptable that he threw the cornmeal. I did. Discipline worthy? Ooh, that's another one you're getting a little shaky on your terminology. My job as a parent, see, even job now is is not allowed to be said. It kind of sounds like my task. Let's be psychologically more enlightened. My role as a parent is to teach my children and where I find that they did something that I would react to to teach them more than the person to whom they did it, in this case, the teacher, then that's my role. It's my duty. So, was there double jeopardy? Yep. Was I glad about it? Yep. Do I think that his teacher was going to tell me anything? After she found out we did something about it. And I asked her, I said, do you know how they put makeup on the Hulk? Hmm? Now, back in those days, you couldn't you couldn't DVR it or whatever you do. You know, you had to get it right and wait for it to come around in a rerun. I don't know how much she told me the rest of the year about what Andrew did. I think he set two fires. Probably busted six or eight windows. She didn't want to tell me. Break the trust. Just kidding. I think it was only three windows. I'm Dr. Ray. Dr. Ray has more great advice soon. Don't go anywhere. Do you own popular index mutual funds or ETFs? If so, you're automatically owned shares of companies that conflict with your moral beliefs. Ave Maria mutual funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors can invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual funds. 
The experienced professional portfolio managers make decisions based on investment fundamentals and pro-life values. You can learn more about Ave Maria Mutual Funds today at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. This is the fasting that I wish. Release those bound unjustly, untie the thongs of the yoke, setting free the oppressed, break every yoke, share your bread with the hungry, shelter the oppressed and the homeless, clothe the naked when you see them. You know the kind of thing I'm talking about. It irks me when people say, well, those are social justice things. What do you mean? It's one of those weasel words. This doesn't have to do with sinful institutional structures. Uh, These commandments have to do with personal behavior. So when you begin to say that these are social justice issues, you're really kind of evading Isaiah's point or God's point through Isaiah, which is, no, I expect you to be setting the oppressed free, feeding the hungry and clothing the naked and, you know, that's, that's for you to do. Don't, don't expect your government to do it. Don't even necessarily expect your church to do it. It's expected that you will do it. Cresta in the Afternoon with Al Cresta for Eastern on EWTN Radio. Why do we need Catholic Radio? Because not everybody is sitting in front of a computer or watching their television set at home. How about when driving to work? Catholic Radio is there for you. I may be a Catholic priest, but I'm still a student of the faith. And Catholic Radio helps supply good material, whether it be a question-and-answer format show, whether it be a show itself on doctrine or theology. I myself, as a priest, am always learning. Father Wade thinks Catholic Radio is important. So should you. Music is done. Now I have to talk. Dr. Ray Gretti, this is E-Person Monday, where I do what I can to address some of the emails that come in. Uh, Let's see what we got. Dr. Ray, I last wrote you about an issue with my sister, and you advised me to ignore her. I don't remember exactly what that would be I, I in ignoring her i th- i think it probably had to do with something she was saying about him or gossiping or whatever she was doing i probably wasn't use, using the word to say sh- shun her but he goes on there is a bigger issue that i struggle with i do not feel an emotional connection to my parents or family. Now, see, I would ask, is this all of your family? Everybody? I mean, typically, you got some siblings that you relate to a lot better than others or you're closer to than others or some siblings you can't relate to at all. I love them out of obedience. Okay, well, that that's a good first step. But I just don't feel an intense love for them. Why do you think you have to feel an intense love for them? I don't feel an intense love for the vast majority of people in the world. I don't know them. Or of those I do know who are friendly acquaintances or just acquaintances, I don't feel an intense love for them. 
My love for them is based upon how I'm supposed to treat them. The fact that I have some emotional connection to them, as, as is illustrated if I find out, for example, that, that one of them passed away. I don't shed a tear, not like I would for people close to me. So the intensity of feelings is not a gradient of the love. My parents were very, V-E-R-Y, capitalized, verbally abusive growing up, and were never compassionate toward us. There was always blame from my mom that it's my fault that dad was upset, or we were late somewhere. Still the same now, as recently as this weekend. Not to mention my mom using the Catholic faith to shelter us from the world to where she tried to get us to drop out of school and be at home and start a convent. Yes, Dr. Ray, I'm being serious. Even the parish priests were afraid of my mom. Well, I can't understand that. Why would they be afraid of her? They might, they might recognize that she does an awful lot of things they don't understand or don't like, but afraid of her? And they did a little to help. I know you say you can't stop talking to family. Well, there are times when you're forced to stop talking to family. Either they're dangerous to you or so inappropriate to you that you have to protect yourself and your kids. I, it's not a, it's not a hard, hard and fast rule. What I say is it should be a lot more problematic in a relationship for you to say, yeah, that's it. You're out of my life, especially if it's a mom or dad. You, you, you just you just have to persevere to stuff that you wouldn't persevere with with the lady that lives six doors down the street that you pass sometimes. But, Dr. Ray, I am really tired of the power struggles and being humiliated by my family. How do I find a rational solution for irrational people? You don't. If you... All right. I'm, I'm going to say something here that I have no idea whether it's true or not. But that doesn't stop me. I often deal with this in therapy very commonly. The close emotional circle in our lives is the one that has the most power to make us miserable. Of course, we don't understand that, right? I love all the people in China. How many, how many problems with people in China? That's 1.4 billion. I'm doing pretty good. But it's three or four people very close to me that could challenge my Christianity. I'm not saying it is. I'm just simply saying for many, that is the way it is. So when I hear this from folks who say, I can't, I can't stand my family anymore. I can't stand my brother. My sister-in-law drives me nuts uh, I don't want anything to do with my father. And I explore that with them. What I find often, not always, but often, is that, yes, the people they're describing sound difficult. They sound obnoxious. They sound perhaps mean-spirited now again I'm that's the description I'm getting I don't know these people 
But if I take them at their word that these folks are in fact this way, the question becomes, what is their tolerance level? I mean, if somebody's difficult and obnoxious toward me, how much do I have to allow that to get to me? I recognize they're difficult and obnoxious, and I know that, and they're a close family member, say. I don't have to be distraught at the same level as I was two years ago. They lose the power to bother me at that level. Now, I don't know if that's our writer's case. I don't know if that's what's happening here. I wouldn't be surprised because he describes an ugly upbringing, probably with a massive amount of resentment for the way he was brought up and and feeling ripped off by the way he was brought up. Okay, I got it. Can you not, in fact, just say, yeah, I didn't didn't get the greatest appearance at all? Dr. Ray, that's a bit of an understatement. Okay. I, I got ugly parents. I got nasty parents. Whatever word you want to use. Be slow, to, be slow to say I got abusive parents, though, because that abusive word is really stretched. Oftentimes it just means I had to deal with somebody real difficult or unfair or nasty. So do you have to feel an intense love for them? No. No, you don't. But you do have to demonstrate some kind of civil treatment toward them. Dr. Ray, you don't know how difficult they are. You don't know how probably You don't understand what they say. All that may be true. I got that. And if you say to yourself, well, that's enough for me to say I want nothing to do with you. Get out of my life. If you were not a Christian, you could do that. You could say, I don't want them in my life. Why do I have to deal with them? They're pains. It's causing me problems, that's all. But as a Christian, you're called to a higher standard and a higher level of tolerance, higher level of forgiveness. Now, I'm not saying you have to go over there every other day and sit for two hours. I'm just simply saying that. You treat them with the respect they deserve because they're your parents. God gave them a commandment, you know. I mean, I, I've been looking at that honor, thy father and mother commandment, and I've been looking for a, a, an asterisk right next to it. A condition that says, as long as they're nice people, as long as they raised you well, as long as they provided you a good, loving home. No, there's, there, there's no conditions on it. Now, again, don't mishear me. I know people are going to say, yeah, okay, Dr. Ray, you don't know what it's like. You have good parents. You had good parents. You don't know what it's like to be dealt with with these kind of toxic people. I don't know personally, but I sure hear a lot of people talk about it. And given that, I'm saying to not only this writer, but to all of us, we can stretch a little bit more to put up with, if that's the phrase you want to use, to put up with these obnoxious people who just happen to be our parents. I got it. So, given that... You don't have to feel the intensity here, writer. Don't demand that of yourself. You want to feel this ushy gushy warm kind of feeling? 
Yeah, you got you got you got too many too many historical happenings probably to allow that. However, however, I'm going to go back to something I said regarding something I hear from so many clients, which is to the degree that you can look at this and say sadly they are fallible hurting human beings i can only imagine how miserable they must be to have to act this way to have to treat their children this way growing up i can only imagine their struggles as human beings in a sense I wouldn't doubt that they're a lot more miserable navigating family life than I am. I know that sounds like a shock, but it's true. When you've got obnoxious, difficult people in your family, you can almost know that these are not contented people. These are people who have to live with themselves. You know, you only have to have contact with them every so often, but they got to live with themselves every breathing second of every day. Many of my clients who come in, and are describing what they think are unacceptable, undoable situations with a spouse or with an adult child, I have to help them understand that the people they're describing, if they're describing them accurately, are very miserable people. They may be far more unhappy than they themselves are. So there you go. I'm Dr. Rick. This is The Doctor Is In. Good for joining me here. We will get back to your e-persons. How is authority structured in the Catholic Church? Christ is the source of all authority in the Church. The Lord made St. Peter the rock of his Church, the shepherd of the whole flock. The Pope, Bishop of Rome, and Peter's successor is the perpetual and visible source and foundation of the unity both of the bishops and the whole company of the faithful according to the Catholic Catechism. Thus his successor, the Pope and Vicar of Christ on earth, has full supreme and universal power which he can always exercise unhindered. The College of Bishops has no power unless linked to the Roman Pontiff. When united to the Pope as its head, the College has supreme and full authority over the universal Church. But that power cannot be exercised without the agreement of the Roman Pontiff. The College of Bishops exercises power over the Church in an ecumenical council, but the Catechism reminds us there is never an ecumenical council which is not confirmed or at least recognized as such by the Pope. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. Father Benedict Groeschel. I usually am operating on the gifts of the Holy Spirit when I don't feel well, even when I'm annoyed, when I'm down and out. During my recovery from the automobile accident, immense numbers of people wrote to me and sent me emails, 50,000. And they told me how helpful they thought my talks on EWTN were to them. I'm delighted, but I want you to know I'm nobody's fool. The talks that were helpful, the sentences that were helpful, the phrases that were helpful, came from the Holy Spirit. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And the styrofoam packaging came from me. I did that. And styrofoam doesn't amount to very much. EWTN. Live Truth. 
Live Catholic. But I'm a doctor, and it's my tradition to care for the sick and injured. Dr. Ray Garendi, a Mr. Universe of Discipline, your fitless expert. Proving your mind by the sentence. An elite member of Catholic media's SWAT team, stopping whining and tantrums. Good to have you with me. This is awful nice to be able to do this program with you. I appreciate it. Okay, that's my one stab of gratitude. This is E-Person Monday, where I usually send out a, a notice on email that I address the question, and I send it out to the person and um, so that they can tune in. Oh, where is that? Okay. Oh, that was a repeat. I don't need that. All right. Take care of that one. Now, let me go to the phone here and see what I got. Hmm, this is from a grandma. And she starts out, I'm grandma. As of late, my daughter is correcting me. A lot. (laughs) Well, keep in mind now, the relationship is one-to-one. If you're getting corrected, that means you're saying something. Now, that doesn't mean that what you say needs corrected. It just means that the person who's correcting you thinks you need corrected. So you're not going to be corrected if you don't say anything. All right, back to it. (laughs) Then she says rather humbly, maybe I need corrected, but I'm suspicious about some of it. Well, what she's saying is, I don't think I need corrected all the time because I think what I'm saying is correct. All right, I got that. An example, and I think the time frame on this is important. My two-year-old granddaughter was brushed by the dog with her tail. And my granddaughter gave me the look that said, should I be upset or not? You ever notice that with little kids? Say a little kid falls, and they look up at you. Am I supposed to start crying? If you say, and, and, and you, you, you size the situation up and the child's not hurt. And you say, good one, safe at home, way to go. Then they start laughing and giggling. If you go, oh, are you, oh, you okay? Are you okay? Does it hurt? Does it hurt? Where does it hurt? Then they're taking the cue from you. Notice that? Now, keeping in mind, you don't see a, you're not seeing a bone jut out of the skin. You're just recognizing that nobody's heard here and the child is looking toward you to find out how much should I react emotionally to this? You know that. It's very much tied into the big person's reaction. By the way, this brings to mind something that I saw in a meme, which I think is just tremendous, which is, all right, let me get that out of there. Somebody just, hold on. When you fall, a good friend Helps you up. No, I got that wrong. Let me, let me rephrase this. I'm gone by memory. When you fall, a friend says, are you okay? 
a good friend helps you up. Your best friend says, walk much, dummy. (laughs) And there's truth to that because you know how much your best friend cares for you. So when a best friend calls you a dummy, you're not offended by it because you know your best friend loves you and they can get away with saying stuff like that. All right, go back to the E person here. She gave me the look after she fell that said, should I be upset or not? She was was kind of scoping it out, checking out grandma's countenance. I said, oh, you're okay. No big deal. And I I redirected her to a toy. There you go. You look at that, right? Somebody would think, hey, no problem. Cool. That doesn't need corrected, does it? Well, it depends. It depends upon how modern and enlightened your new parenting is. And I'm going to get to that in a second. My daughter informed me, quote, we don't tell her she's okay. We ask her if she's okay. I would wonder if they would draw a parallel to we don't tell her she's a girl we ask her if she's a girl I digress never mind I'm of the opinion consider the context Dr. Ray she is too objectively she is okay can she even define okay I didn't counter my daughter I was trying to figure what the heck is going on and this won't be the last time Advice for Grandma, worn out from walking on eggshells. Oh, yeah, Grandma. I can tell you what's going on. I see it all the time. The young parents, many, perhaps most, have been shaped by the new and enlightened ways, theoretically, the psychologically correct ways to raise children. They read all the experts and they have their ideas on how they should do this. And as part of that, the way they were raised, they look as archaic, throwback, antediluvian, ancient, call it what you will, neo-pagan, I don't know. Nevertheless, they look at the way they were raised and they realize that was unsophisticated. We, we young people now know a lot more. We don't, we don't ask our parents for guidance and help. We go to the experts and the experts tell us. So that when our parents offer anything regarding discipline, regarding child rearing, if it's it's not asked for, it could be viewed as a challenge. It could be viewed as a throwback way of raising children and therefore... We don't ask her if she's okay. We ask her if she's okay. Because she's read that somewhere as the proper way to deal with a child who faces a temporary adversity. And I think, Grandma, that's what's going on. So I think, by the way, the child's only two. This is going to happen more and more because there's going to be more and more questions about proper child rearing as she gets older. So here's the way you don't walk on eggshells. You give no parenting guidance. You give no discipline guidance. You give no grandma guidance. Dr. Ray, how do I do that? You don't do it. Your daughter's already told you, I don't want to hear it. 
And at best, when you give guidance, she probably looks at you. If it's acceptable guidance, she probably just looks at you. She doesn't say, oh, thanks, Mom. That's that's good stuff. I hadn't even thought of it that way. I, I doubt that's happening. So what you do is you do what I do with my grandkids. I don't say a word. And they got wonderful parents. But I still don't say a word at all. Zippo. Unless I am asked. It's that simple. So, yeah, you want to stop walking on eggshells, Grandma? Don't make comments. I know you're thinking, Dr. Ray, I didn't make a comment. I just told her she's okay. I know. Which gives you an indication of how psychologically correct your daughter might want you to be. And how do you know? Because you and I are old. Dur. I'm Dr. Stan Williams, and this is The Logic of Catholicism. Solanus Casey said, Appreciation is as necessary for social order and harmony as are the laws of gravity for the physical world. Do you ever feel guilty when you do something wrong? Guilt is a natural law of the universe, just like gravity. Gravity reminds us not to do certain things with our bodies without suffering painful consequences. Guilt is the psychological pain we experience after we did something wrong. It's also a warning that we need to fix the problem by finding forgiveness, making restitution, and going to confession. And that's something to appreciate. Today, ask someone to forgive you for what you did wrong and tell them how much you appreciate feeling guilty and for the right of reconciliation. And that's the logic of Catholicism. Explore more at AveMariaRadio.net. Under resources, look for me, Dr. Stan Williams. Christ is the answer with Father John Ricardo. I tell oftentimes an experience that I had at Divine Child when I was a young priest, one year ordained, first time I ever really saw the power of the Blessed Sacrament. And we simply exposed the Blessed Sacrament at the end of Mass one night. I encouraged people. I said, you know what, we've been in the habit of praying over people after Mass. I said, we're not going to do that this week. I'm just going to invite people to come on up and pray if they want to pray. And I put the Blessed Sacrament on the altar. I kneel down. As I kneel down, the church is in the sanctuary. The whole church. And as I'm looking at this, and I'm looking at the people there, and I'm looking at Jesus under the appearance of bread there, I saw the Lord standing on the altar. And he's just standing there looking out at all the people. And then at a certain point, he turned towards me, and he just bowed. And he says, don't you see how easy this is? You don't have to do anything. You just have to put me out. You put me out, and I will work. I said so. Yeah, did you ever get that one as a kid? I did. A lot. A lot of parents don't like to say because I said so. Because the kids look at you. Oh, because I said so. That's a great answer. But typically what happens is you have gone through a whole bunch of reasons. None of which were acceptable to the child because none of which allowed the child to do what they wanted to do. So finally you've had enough and you say because I said so. 
And then they look at you like that's the only reason you ever gave them and that they, being enlightened, will never, ever say something so psychologically stunting as because I said so. But the interesting thing about because I said so is that that is what much of parenting is. Why does your six-year-old have a bedtime of 8 o'clock instead of 8.30? Because you said so. You decided. That's the best time. Why do you require this child to sit at the table until everybody's done eating? Well, because you said so. You don't have to say so. You could let him get up when he's done. It's because you said so. Because you're the parent. So much of parenting is unspoken because I said so. My judgment. My value system guiding this household. Because I said so. I'm going to go after that in an upcoming monologue someday. It needs a lot more attention. This is from <laughs> Joanna. I have several of your books. Oh, that's good. So I can't make a sale right here. When I read something like that, it's like, shoot. There goes any chance to make a sale. And I watch your show on EWTN, which means she may or may not be aware of the radio show. So if I say to her, Joanna, please call the radio show, which she has not done, she probably doesn't know about it. My son turned 13 over the summer. He's been having anxiety and many different tics or movements that he makes. Now, Joanna, the one thing I'd want to know is these ticks, are they just recent or have they come and gone from earlier in his childhood? That makes a difference in potential diagnostic decision. Uh, we'll go on here. My husband and I have spoken to our parish priest, who's helped us a lot with our son. Our son talks to us about his worries, and he seems to be very worried about things that are not logical to worry about. Well, isn't kind of that what a worry is? You sort of dwell upon things that are either not true or not likely to happen. I mean, as a matter of fact, probably most worries are like this. He seems to think God is more of something to fear. And something to love. Okay, now you got some of these worries are coming from the fact that he may feel he's sinning. He may feel he's not up to snuff in God's eyes. And maybe that's why the priest helped. The priest explained to him God's love, explained to him God's mercy because your son drifts towards I'm going to get punished. I'm not measuring up. Ah. Some background information. We're a Catholic family who attends Mass regularly. Normally, however, due to the pandemic, we've been attending virtually. Is that because you're not allowed to go to Mass or because the churches aren't open? My understanding is that most of the churches are open given the standard wear a mask and every other pew. So, Joanna, what, what's keeping you away? Um, I forget who was it that told me. What, what priest told me? Was it, it was, oh, yeah, it was Father Mike. I had had him on the TV show once. I was talking to him recently. And he said that his parish, now don't 
don't mishear me. I'm not saying this is what you should do. I'm just simply saying this is his experience. His parish has no mask. You, you can just come if you wish with no mask. And they have not traced one. Uh, well, think of the word here, Raymond. One episode, one condition, one contagion, if you will, of COVID to the people in his parish from that. Okay, for what it's worth. Also, our kids have gone to public school up until this year. We've thought about homeschooling before the pandemic, but decided not to do it. When the pandemic came, we decided that it was going to be a wonderful thing for many reasons. So now we currently homeschool our children. We have three boys. Oldest son is the one having the problem. Please give us some advice. Well, I'd like to know what he's what he's worrying about. What his concerns, fears, what ifs, how he thinks about God. And it may be you'd have to check out some good reading material written at that level for the child to give him a a more broad perspective of God, not just as a judge, but as a loving father. Somehow his his notions of God, I would bet, are linked to these other worries that he's having. And the other thing I would think is, I bet he's not telling you everything. I bet he's got some stuff that he's wrestling with that he's ashamed to tell you. He doesn't want to tell you because you wouldn't understand it in his mind anyway. So I think that's something, Joanna, that I would go after. Uh, I would I would probably introduce it like, you know, son, <clears throat> given the way you've been preoccupied with some things, I'm I'm really thinking you're you're not telling us everything that is bothering you because you either you don't want to, you feel ashamed, you think we won't get it. Is that true? You don't have to say, what is it? Just simply say, is that true? And I'll bet he'll say yes. And then, after he says yes, you can say, okay, what is keeping you from telling us? Oh, no. Now, you got to watch out. You get, I don't know, from 13-year-olds all the time. Uh, are, are, son, is it, is it something you think is a, a big sin and that's something that God can't forgive? Maybe. Well, part of your worry, part of your seeing God as a as a, a harsh guy up there, is it could be you don't understand some things that you're thinking, and you're thinking it needs to be straightened out. So what you do is you kind of explore it that way. You don't ask for particulars right off the bat. You kind of explore what it is that is keeping him from coming out with some of the things that are bothering him now in case none of that's happening, okay, that he's, he's just told you everything. He's told you everything that's on his mind, everything that's bothering him. Then at that point, if you feel competent enough to discuss it with him and try to straighten out his thinking, go for it. If not, you say, I'll tell you what, these are, these are some spiritual questions that I think a priest can help you with because he knows a lot more about this than I do. The way I'd approach it. I'd also have to know whole other 
bunch of things about what's going on. Does he have a smartphone? Does he get on a smartphone? Does he does he troll the computer? What is it that's coming at him? Has he has he stumbled across some pornographic sites and now that really bothers him? What is going on? Because all so often when kids start to develop this kind of anxiety, especially in a religious home, uh, they have stumbled upon something that they would believe is a great sin or their parents would feel is a great sin, and they're just so so bothered by it, so ashamed by it, they just keep it to themselves. There you go, Dr. Ray. I'll send you my consultation fee. Do you own popular index mutual funds or ETFs? If so, you're automatically owned shares of companies that conflict with your moral beliefs. Ave Maria Mutual Funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors can invest in the no-load Ave Maria Mutual Funds. The experienced professional portfolio managers make decisions based on investment fundamentals and pro-life values. You can learn more about Ave Maria Mutual Funds today at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. The Wisdom of Mother Angelica. Now, when Jesus was on earth, he taught us a great lesson. He taught us that he came for the sinner, not the virtuous. He came for you because you are imperfect, because sin comes easy to you, and sometimes you don't have the willpower to say no. But you see, if you understood the awesomeness of God and all his power and all his wonder, and he comes down to our level, he wanted to feel, how do you feel? I don't know anybody that loves anyone that much. And this imperfect being that's you and me and all of us, he did it for us. That's why you should never despair, because you're imperfect. For more information on Mother Angelica, visit Religious Catalog at EWTNRC.com. How can we have faith and be transformed by the gospel? What part can we play in recreating the world for God's good plan? Once we understand that the gospel is not merely good news, but explosive, life-changing news, our life will never be the same. In Father John Ricardo's new book, Rescue, the Unexpected and Extraordinary News of the Gospel, he helps us to see the world through the lenses of God with a clear vision of the plot and the outcome of the story that we're living through. You can get Rescued and Father John's other great books on the store page at AveMariaRadio.net. Randy, thanks. Thanks for being with me. Appreciate it. It's from Mike. I have two sons, 811. I was one of those parents at their wit's end. And boy, there's a lot of that now. There's just so much of that. That's that's part of the reason why the general population doesn't understand you parents who have more than 1.86 children. Because they can't understand this. My kids are driving me crazy. Yeah, kids are kids and they do all kinds of scrappy stunts, but but that's not the part that really drives parents crazy. The part that drives parents crazy is the day-to-day discipline struggles, getting cooperation from the kids and the fights and the arguments and all of that. That's what does it. I finally decided to take your suggestion. Now, see, Mike, I'm asking you here, why did you finally decide? You finally decided because it got to you? You couldn't take it anymore? The kid's 11. You know, how long had you been dealing with the kinds of disruptive defiance that you're dealing with. At first, the boys were having to stand in the corner, often, 
sometimes twice a day. Mike, that's not often. Now, that's either telling me your boys are magnificently well-behaved or you had very high tolerance before you finally sent them to the corner. I don't know what it is. I started with a 15-minute period. The older one was worse dealing with it. And that doesn't surprise me. The older ones had three more years of driving you to your wit's end. So his resistance to your discipline has had a lot, lot more time to become entrenched. He would start talking, asking when his time was up, not facing the corner. I would double his time, and eventually he got the message. Mike, here's the question. Why did he stay there? I mean, if, if you've got a kid who's pushing you to your wit's end, then almost always that child doesn't accept discipline. So why would he stay in the corner? It sounds like he was giving you resistance, but it wasn't intense resistance. He's trying to talk his way out of it. He's asking how long he has to be there. He's turning around, but he's not leaving. You know, the average parent who comes into my office who is driven crazy by their kid's defiant behavior, they can't get the child to accept discipline. They could try to give him an essay, but he'll look at them like, what are you doing? I'm doing this. Or the corner thing. They'll look at you as if to say, ain't gone there. Who's going to put me there? You? What army? The behavior, Dr. Ray, is improved tenfold. All right. Now, Mike... Your experience is something I frequently hear from parents who take calm, confident control. However, my guess would be, had you not been able, with this very simple response, corner time, to get your kids to be much more cooperative, tenfold better, how many more years before you would have finally decided something is wrong with my child. I'm a good parent. I love my kids. We have a stable home. We try to teach them virtue. And this is ugly. So something, something must be affecting my child that they're just not cooperative. So what did you do? You made a little adjustment, really. A very tiny adjustment. By the way, just as an aside here, I was hoping to get a plug of one of my books in. My marriage book is called Marriage, Small Steps, Big Rewards. And I list 10 small steps that are tiny adjustments that you can make to a marriage that dramatically can improve the marriage. Kind of like discipline like this that Mike's talking about. So a lot of things happen. There's a cascade of effects. There's a cascade of perceptions. My kids are defiant. My kids are unpleasant. My kids have bad personalities. My kids are strong-willed. Something's wrong with my kid. They're ODD. And we do this. But all you did was decide, in your words, finally, to take charge of the situation and look at the dramatic change. Dramatic. The irony your kids are probably much happier. They're much more content. They're probably much more affectionate because you're not spending anywhere near the amount of time. Dr. Ray, the difference in their behavior overall is improved. And when I tell them one step away from going to stand in the corner, 50% of the time they stop. And when they are in the corner, we don't hear a peep. Fantastic method. Simple and direct.
And then here is a <laughs> standard thing you got to deal with now. My neighbor thinks it isn't nice to shame your kids this way. Oh, really? Which was causing more problem? The friction and the yelling and the screaming and the arguing and the impatience? Or simply saying, go to the corner, please. Yeah, I got to wonder how the neighbor's doing with uh, his or her kids. <laughs> I am Dr. Ray, and I thank you for joining me here on The Doctor Isn't On This E-Person Monday. Good Lord permitting. Talk to you tomorrow. We will interface. No, no, no. Inter-ear. I'm Dr. Ray. Walk with God, and I think he should put me in the corner sometimes because that's what I need. Straighten me up. For information on Dr. Ray's presentations, books, and CDs, visit DRA.com and follow him on Facebook. The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Doc, where are you taking this car? Great Scott Marty, the Guadalupe Radio Network is saving so many souls, and by donating this car, it helps their future. And it's a great tax deduction. Yes! Just call 1-866-628-2277 or go to grnonline.com and click on Donate. That's heavy. No, Marty, not heavy. It's charitable. Flux capacitor not included. Mother Teresa said, let no one come to you without leaving better or happier. This is how we try to live our personal and professional lives. We're Rob and Camille DeMaio, proud sponsors of Guadalupe Radio here in San Antonio. Our team of realtors can help you through every step of buying or selling a home. For more information, call us at 210-488-1144 for real estate help in San Antonio and throughout the United States. Rob and Camille DeMaio, your real estate team. 210-488-1144. Have you heard the news? Well, Father Will Combs of the Brothers of the Beloved Disciple will be our 2021 Fishers of Men Award recipient at our benefit dinner on Thursday, April 29th at the Banquet Hall at Holy Trinity Catholic Church. Seating will be limited to 180 people to register early at grnonline.com. And of course, social distancing will be observed. We're going to have a blast. Shining the light of truth on the path of salvation. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Streaming to the world at grnonline.com and on your FM dial at 89.7. We're KJMA, Floresville, San Antonio. All Catholic. All the time. Now we have today's quote for you from Mother Angelica's Perpetual Calendar. All the misery of the past, present, and future could never compare with the sufferings of Jesus. Whatever you're going through, he's been there first, and he did it out of love. Mother Angelica's Perpetual Calendar features an inspirational message for each day of the year. It's available from the EWTN Religious Catalog at EWTNRC.com.
Apple TV allows you to instantly stream EWTN to your TV. Get EWTN today. All you need is a high-speed internet connection, a TV, and the Apple TV player.